Hey, this is Joe Jimenez, and you're listening to the Road to Detroit podcast. You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Road to Detroit rolls on. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's episode 14 here of the RTD. So glad to have you back on board. We've got a lot coming up on this show and a couple new wrinkles here on this week's edition of The Road to Detroit. Coming up in just a couple of moments, your chance to win a Tigers four-pack of tickets and a really cool Tigers prize pack and include something involving the Red Wings. So sit tight. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But on this edition of the RTD, we'll hear from Riley Green, the fifth overall pick in this year's Major League Draft. He dominated the short-season leagues in the Gulf Coast League and in the New York Penn, and then ended up in West Michigan, finishing out the 2019 season. And if we had to guess, we'd say that Riley Green is now having to mentally work through the game of baseball because it has been a little bit tougher in the Midwest League, probably something that Riley Green is not very accustomed to. So we'll talk to him about that change. We'll also talk to him about the fact that he's ended up on ESPN Center Top 10 two different times for outstanding plays in center field. He has really taken nicely to the primary center fielder's job in West Michigan. Also had an inside-the-park home run in his first game in West Michigan. So we'll catch up with Riley on what this transition has been like. You know, just about three or four months ago, Riley Green was living at home, hanging out with mom and dad, and now he's finding his way here as a professional baseball player in full season pro baseball so we'll talk to riley also coming up on the show we'll talk to brian packard the fifth round pick of the tigers in this year's draft out of east carolina everybody said he could really hit the baseball the day he was drafted and he's carried that all the way through his time here through connecticut ended up in the midwest league and he has combined to hit over 300 between those two stops just 21 years old but an outstanding start for brian packard was considered one of the best college hitters coming into the season had a back injury wasn't quite right to begin the year and now finds himself as the anchor of the West Michigan lineup a team that has started to show a little more signs of life on the offensive side here in the closing weeks of the 2019 season so Brian Packard will talk to us we'll learn a lot about Brian because we like to go into the player themselves not only the physical side but the mental side and you're going to hear some things from Brian Packard that you did not expect there are some differences when it comes from playing college baseball to professional baseball that a lot of people don't talk about brian packard addresses some of those things in depth we go into those nitty-gritty details with brian packard coming up in just a little bit but before we do that let's give away our first rtd prize pack it's now time for our first giveaway here on the road to detroit so consider this a contest and this is going to require you to enter to win but it's a really easy way to do it and the best part is if you're listening to us right now chances are you can do this easier than anybody else it's your chance to win tickets for a special night at comerica park when the tigers take on the minnesota twins at 7 p.m it is detroit red wings night which includes a couple of pregame appearances some red wings players will be there as well as opportunities to win red wings tickets all night long and of course the always fantastic fireworks show after the ball game. So you've got a busy night at Comerica Park. Special ticket packages also include a red co-branded hat. Now, co-branded, that's a fancy word. Let's break that down. A co-branded hat means it's a red hat with the Tigers English D on the front and the Red Wing logo on the side. 
If you remember Henrik Zetterberg, he used to do interviews after Red Wings games wearing a red hat with the old English D on the front. It's just like that. It's a special red Tigers hat. They've got the Tigers logo on the front, the famous winged wheel on the side. This is not a giveaway at the door. So here's how it works. You have to buy a special ticket package, and those are available at Tigers.com slash Red Wings. You can do that, but if you're listening to this show, you don't have to do that just yet. We here at the Road to Detroit... We want to hook you up, offering an outstanding prize pack for the Road to Detroit listening audience. You get four tickets and four of these awesome Tigers Red Wings hats, and all you have to do is prove that you're a passenger on the Road to Detroit. Here's where you come in. Take a screenshot of the Road to Detroit podcast page wherever you've downloaded the show. Then tweet a screenshot of that to at Tigers. So again, it's simple. Look where you've downloaded the show, take a screenshot, go on Twitter, at Tigers. Show us you're a subscriber. You'll be entered to win tickets to see the Tigers take on the Twins Friday, August 30th. It's Red Wings night at Comerica Park. A winner will be selected randomly early next week. So if you've yet to do it, perfect chance. Hit the subscribe button, take the screenshot, and be entered to win. We'll give you one more reminder before the end of the RTD. Let's get on that on ramp. It's the on-ramp. It's an opportunity to check up on everything that happened over the last week. We'll get you all set for what lies ahead here on the road to Detroit. We'll start with West Michigan. The Whitecaps had a pretty good week. Went 4-3 on their homestand, won 2 out of 3 against Great Lakes before taking 2 of 3 against Lake County. That's called a winning homestand. The Caps went 4-3. It's been a tough year for West Michigan, but now that some of the new draftees have made their way to the Whitecaps, all of a sudden the Caps have kind of perked up a little bit. In their last seven games, they've gone 5-2. and two. They've only had numbers like that one other time all season long. One of the big reasons for that is Riley Green. Defensively, he has certainly taken to the Midwest League. Green had not one but two diving catches in consecutive innings in a game against Lake County. The first one landed at number six on that night's version of the ESPN Sports Center Top 10. And in case you're keeping score at home, that's now twice this year. Riley Green has ended up on Sports Center's top 10 plays for what he's done as a center fielder. Also hit an inside the park home run. Not too shabby. Two weeks worth of work in West Michigan, and he's already plastered himself on Sports Center. Meanwhile, Parker Meadows, he started to hit the baseball. A 10-game hitting streak for Parker Meadows. During that hitting streak, he's hitting over 300 at the plate, has five runs batted in during that stretch. Also, Brian Packard. Yep. Yep, that's it. The Bryant Packard Show, or the Packard Plant Open for Business in West Michigan. They've relocated. He's ending up hitting 320 with the Whitecaps of 407 on base percentage, really starting to come into his own. We're going to hear from him in just a little while here on the road to Detroit. Awesome young man. Brian Packard's last six games have been nothing short of exceptional. Eight for 19 at the plate. He's also with a walk-to-strikeout ratio of 7 to three. This is a guy that gets on base and he is starting to get confident in that left-handed batter's box across the Midwest League circuit. I actually heard a scout that compared Brian Packard to a young Ryan Klesko who had a very good career as an offensive outfielder. Over to Lakeland, the Flying Tigers won two out of three against Bradenton. The Flying Tigers are starting to catch a little late season momentum as well. Then they took back-to-back games against Jupiter and how appropriate during the same time as the Little League World Series is being played in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. 
Reese Hampton, Tigers prospect outfielder, actually found his way into a little league home run. It was, to be more specific, a bunt home run. Reese Hampton actually lied down a bunt and circled the bases in Lakeland. Pretty cool video if you've yet to see that. Meanwhile, Cody Clemens hit 324, three runs scored, a pair of RBIs in his last 10. Then he got the call. He's up to double A Erie. You know, we talked about this on a couple of previous episodes of The Road to Detroit, specifically one of our mailbags talked about Cody Clemens possibly going up to Erie before season's end. Well, we always felt like he was a hot streak away from going up to AA Erie. Well, exactly that. Finds his way up to the AA Erie Seawolves. There was a need in Erie. They needed Cody Clemens. They brought him up there, and now he's going to finish his season in the AA Eastern League, a chance to win an Eastern League championship. Speaking of Erie, they swept Redding in a three-game series before taking two of three against Akron. They hold the number one spot in the Eastern League Western Division with a two-game cushion. Jose Azokar had a nice little hitting streak, five RBIs with a home run this past week, and the pitching was solid. We did this on a previous episode of the RTD a couple of times back. I think it's time for the skies to open one last time. Let's check the Erie Seawolves rotation lightning round. Yep, it's starting to rain again. Joey Wentz, five innings, no runs, seven strikeouts. Tarek Skubal, five innings, one run, seven punch-outs. Matt Manning, four innings, one run, five strikeouts. Then a rain delay took place, which is what it sounds like it's doing now. Anthony Castro, five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. That's the good news for the Erie Seawolves rotation. Unfortunately, there's some bad news as well. Tigers' first overall pick in last year's draft, Casey Mize, Tigers have decided to shut him down for the remainder of the season. He's at 109 and a third innings between Lakeland and Erie. And obviously the numbers were very good to begin the 2019 season. Then he ended up leaving a start after just two-thirds of an inning back on July 10th and really didn't see the same numbers from Casey Mize the remainder of the season. And i got to give a shout-out to Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic, who actually mentioned this on Twitter He's a writer for The Athletic, and he mentioned that Casey Mize had a very similar end of his season at Auburn last year. His first 84 innings at Auburn in his final season with the Auburn Tigers, a 2.25 ERA. Final 30 innings, a 7.01 earned run average. This season, in his first 78 innings, a 0.92 ERA, then finished it with his final 31 and a third innings with a 6.61 earned run average. So it's something to monitor. And look, when it comes to the late season numbers of Casey Mize, I think it's just more of a developmental note than anything else. Whether it's physical or mental, it's something that the Tigers, I'm sure, are keenly aware of, and they'll continue to work with Casey Mize in the years to head. They'll slowly build up his workload, and we'll see how much he can handle from a durability standpoint next season, but it sounds like this is a good time to tap out on Casey Mize here in 2019 in terms of needing him to take the mound in any of these professional games any longer. But based on the body of work, 8-3 at 250, 55 ERA between the two levels he pitched at 109 innings gave up just 80 hits opponents had barely over 200 against him 106 strikeouts just 23 walks obviously those numbers were different after the injury that hit him in that start in mid-July so Casey Mize will remain with his Erie Seawolves teammates for the remainder of the Eastern League season he'll head to fall instructional baseball after season's end but right now in terms of innings for the remainder of the calendar season 
Casey Mize will finish the year with those numbers we just mentioned. Over to Toledo. Toledo lost two out of three against Buffalo before winning two of three against Pawtucket. Again, Toledo starting to play well here down the stretch. A lot of these full season affiliates are finishing the season strong. Willie Castro has been exceptional this past week. Eight-game hit streak, 10 runs batted in, home runs in back-to-back games against Pawtucket, and then after 600-plus games in the minor leagues, Willie Castro enjoyed his first multi-homer game as a member of the Mudhens back on Wednesday. Last 10 over 350 at the plate with five home runs. Willie Castro starting to find a bit of a power stroke down in Toledo. Something tells me we might hear from Willie Castro a little bit later on here in this road to Detroit. we got a lot to do coming up here on the show. We'll hear from Brian Packer, Tigers' fifth-round pick in this year's draft. We'll also don this week's best in class. But right now it's time to hear from Riley Green. Let's do it. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. We had Riley Green on in one of the very first episodes of The Road to Detroit, and that was right after being the fifth overall pick in the 2019 MLB draft. Well, he has vaulted through the short season leagues, and now he finds himself finishing his 2019 with West Michigan. Riley Green joins us now. Riley, good to have you back. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I mean I'm glad to be here and thankful to be in West Michigan. We talk a lot. You just getting to the Midwest League is a huge accomplishment in your first season. You hit 300 between your first two levels. Now you're here in West Michigan. What are you learning about this level now that you've been here a couple of weeks? I mean, it's not that much different. I mean, the pitching is just a little better. I mean, pitchers are hitting their spots better. Their off speed's a little better. But, yeah, I mean, mean, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm working hard every day. I mean, I'm trying to grind out at bats. I mean, I'm not hitting the way I want to hit right now, but, I mean, it's going to happen. It's baseball. It's the game itself. So, yeah, it's going to happen. But, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Well, I'm guessing it's one thing that maybe you didn't do a whole lot of, whether it be in the Gulf Coast League or in Connecticut. But, I mean, you're hitting against pitchers that are as many as six years older than you. So there's a big gap between the guys you're facing and you at 18 years old. And like you mentioned, the numbers probably aren't where you want them. But is anything you do here this year is a bonus. I mean, that being said, you're probably learning some valuable lessons about how to mentally process when things are a little bit harder. Where are you at with all this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they say that baseball is like, like, like eighty percent mental and then twenty percent, or yeah, physical. So yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I just Didn't try- Yogi Berra say it was ninety percent half mental or something like that? I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, it's up there. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my confidence. I mean, I have people, I have people just texting me saying, "Hey, hey, you're doing fine. Just keep going." I mean, you're young compared to all these other guys. So, so yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. So. So yeah, I got I got some people on my back helping me out and just keep my confidence up. Do you kind of lean back on, you know, saying, okay, maybe the average isn't where I want it to be in West Michigan, but I did it in the Gulf Coast League. I did it in the New York Penn League. It just takes a little while and I'll figure this one out. Yeah, I mean, I have coach as um as homeless many times. I think I think I told you this once too. You gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I mean this is my first time in Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, I'm getting used to the area. I'm getting used to the guys on the team. I mean, the guys on the team here are great. And, yeah, I'm, I'm getting used to fishing too. So, so yeah, I'm just going to work hard every day and just keep going. What's some of your fondest memories? And I know you didn't spend a lot of time in Connecticut, but what are some of your fondest memories of playing down in Connecticut? Um, I mean, just the guys on the team were great. I mean, I mean, like, just being out there every day with them. I mean, I knew it was going to be a fun day. And, um 
memory would be, I mean, we threw a no-hitter against one team, and that was that was a lot of fun being a part of that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I went like 0 for 3 that game or something like that. But I didn't care because a no-hitter was fun. So, yeah. What about playing for Brian Pena? I mean, yeah. Pena's awesome. I mean, I can't say enough about him. He's He's one of the best coaches I've ever had. I mean, he always... No matter what, if we win, lose, if you go 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, I mean, he's the same guy. He'll treat you the same. But, yeah, he's like, we were like we were like one big family there, and it was awesome. We're talking to Riley Green. Now you're in West Michigan. Now you have Lance Parrish. What have you learned about Lance since you've gotten here? He's a great guy. I mean, he. Um, one of the things that stuck out was, like, I think I'm, I think he saw me talking to my grandparents. And he was like, hey, are you, are, is, is your family here? And I was like, yeah. And he said, okay, I'm going to keep you in the lineup thing. Because he was talking about giving me, like, an off day. But he said, he said, um, he said if your family's here, I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep you in the lineup. So, yeah, he just um, he just told me to um, to let him know because I told my parents were coming too. And he's like, all right, perfect. Thanks for letting me know. So, yeah, I mean, that's like like a big family thing to me. And, yeah, I mean, that was awesome when he, um, when he told me that. How many members of your family have made the trip up? People forget that just about three, four months ago, you were living at home with mom and dad. So this is a whole different experience for you. But who has anyone else been able to come out and see you yet? So it's so my grandparents, um, my my parents, and my my best friend's parents are coming to the home. I think our our four game home series or whatever on Saturday, twenty fourth through the twenty seventh. Yes. So yeah, they're coming to that. But yeah, it's awesome to have my family here. So you mentioned that Lance talked to you about possibly giving you a day off. I'm sure you've played more baseball this year than any other year you've ever played ball. And I know you played some travel ball, but how are you holding up physically? I mean, I'm doing good. I mean, day off or not, I mean, I'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, I love, I love playing the game. It's a lot of fun to play it every day. And, I mean, yeah, the body's going to be sore, but you just got to learn how to play through it. I mean, like the guys in the big leagues, they're, they're there because they can do it every single day defensively you never demanded to come in and play center field of course you know when you're 18 years old you don't have that kind of pull right but I know you wanted a chance to prove you could play it so talk to us about how that effort's been going for you I mean I know there's a lot of people that have noticed some of the things you've been doing in center field but how do you feel it's gone I mean I feel good I mean I feel good about it I mean I feel like I'm getting a lot faster I feel like I'm I'm reading balls a lot better off the bat now and I mean I mean Gino Roof I mean he's a He's been helping me out a lot. I mean, he's been telling me things that I'm picking from him, and I mean, it's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I love I love learning, especially especially things in center field, just because I didn't play there all my life. And and I mean, learning from a guy that has experience and that knows the aspects of the outfield. I mean, it's awesome. So, have you seen yourself on Sports Center yet? Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> How surreal is that? I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, my friends are like, "Dude, you made it again." I'm like. Thanks. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's just fun game. It's just the catch. I mean, you got to go the next day and just play. So dealing with all this, I mean, you know, we talked about this being, you know, your grandparents coming to town. You have some other friends, your, your best friend's parents, you said were coming as well. Um, being away from home. I mean, that's a very different experience. A lot of guys, especially in this clubhouse, have gone to college, have spent time in a dorm, been away from their families. But this is probably the first time you've been able to do this. So how are you feeling from that regard? I mean, is there a homesick angle to this? Is there anything you really miss? Because you've been away now for about three months. Yeah, so, so I mean, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of used to it. I mean, I played for Team USA. I was gone for three weeks with them. Um, I mean, the summer circuit, I was gone too, so... 
I mean, it's not that big of a change for me, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm always gonna miss home because that's where I grew up. I'm gonna miss my friends, hanging out with them every day, doing all the fun things we did. I mean, but I mean, this is my job now, so so I can't really think about being homesick. I just gotta go out and play every day, so. How are you feeling when it comes to this group of guys? Because you were with them kind of in Connecticut. Now you're here with many of those guys here in West Michigan. How do you click with these guys? Because the wins are starting to slowly creep in here towards the very end of the calendar year. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, this team's amazing. I mean, the guys here are awesome. They're all nice. They're all funny. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's clicking pretty, pretty well with me and them. So who's the biggest prankster or jokester in that clubhouse? Dugas. Oh my goodness. Dayton Duga. Yeah, he's my um he's my roommate too, so we so we always have laughs in the room and, and on the field too, so <laughs> well I know at the end of the day it, this is up to the Tigers, but you've checked some pretty important boxes. What's at the top of your list among what you have left to accomplish with only a couple of weeks left to do it? I mean I'm just gonna finish strong with the bat. I mean I'm always gonna play hard in the field, always gonna try to make catches. I mean, I mean, making catches for the pitcher, I mean, it's my best thing to do just because it's like, oh, yeah, I just did that for him. I mean, he's working his butt off. So, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to work on swinging the bat a little better for the 12, 13 games we have left. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to work on it and finish strong. Whitecaps have won five of their last seven games for just the second time here in the second half. No coincidence, guys like Riley Green have been a big part of why the Caps are finishing strong here in 2019. Riley, thank you so much for the time, and go get him the rest of the way, my friend. Thank you. That's Riley Green right here on the road to Detroit. It's now time for another edition of Best in Class. Of all the Tigers minor leaguers this past week, this one made the most noise, and this one is no stranger to our Best in Class award. He's already won it once before, but it has been a tremendous year. This week's winner is Willie Castro. The Toledo Mudhens, the 22-year-old shortstop from Puerto Rico, has been tremendous here in 2019. The Tigers' number 12 prospect this past week alone has been terrific. He's hit 415 in his past 10 games. He also had his first multi-homer game as a pro. Willie Castro came over from the Indians on the trade for Leonis Martin around this time last year, has totally hit the ground running. He went to Erie immediately after being assigned to the Tigers organization last year. All he did there was hit 324. What's interesting is that he has hit better in the Tigers system than he ever hit as a member of the Cleveland Indians organization. So something about coming over to the Tigers system has benefited Willie Castro greatly. And now with Toledo, the numbers have been every bit as good. Crazy little parallel between Erie and Toledo. Willie Castro last year and this year, the exact same on-base percentage, sitting at 366 heading into play on August the 22nd. But here are the numbers at the plate. He's shown some more power as well. 11 homers in 117 games. 46 extra base hits for Willie in 117 games. Can also run a little bit. Stole 18 bases last year. He's already got 17. Might have a chance at 20 before season's end. And get a load of these numbers in August. He has gone off the charts this past month. A 392 batting average, five homers, 17 runs batted in in just eight 
15 games. Billy Castro has been a driving force of why Toledo has finished the season strong. Willie Castro is this week's best in class. Now, for our honorable mention award, or the Dylan Rosa Award. By the way, shout out to Dylan Rosa. He had a three-run home run for his first double-A home run this past week. He's not our honorable mention this week, but I can tell you Nate Wangler knows who it is. He's our producer. Our honorable mention this week goes to Cody Clemens. Now, let's consider a couple things when we talk about Cody Clemens. Number one, defensively, there's no question marks. A 990 fielding percentage which equals out to just four errors so far on the year. For playing every single day, (laughs) that's pretty good. On the offensive side of things, he's .238 batting average, but he does have 11 home runs, so even when he's having not the greatest of years at the plate, he still has quite a bit of pop. So defense is elite. Offense still needs to catch up a little bit, but at his age, he'll get there. We'll have to see how he does at the next level. And I'll tell you what, Nate, at 23 years old, this is a guy I think the Tigers were hoping would finish this season in A Erie, and he actually had a better year in Lakeland than a lot of people gave him credit for. He's already gone to the Seawolves. In his first game, he had two hits, a pair of RBIs, and a walk. I think he'll take to Erie quite nicely. And based on how you finish the season, if you finish in Erie, likely you'll open up there next season. And at that point, you're definitely on the radar for a potential call-up to Detroit at some point before season's end. But congratulations to Cody Clemens. I know his father, Roger, has been following him pretty much throughout the course of the Florida State League this year. Cody's other brother, Casey, was in that league for a while as well, was playing with Dunedin, and Roger was bouncing back and forth watching Casey and Cody over the course of the last couple of months. And now Roger will have to redirect his flight out to Erie, Pennsylvania. Something tells me he'll be able to swing that. But congratulations to Willie Castro. He's this week's Best in Class. And congratulations to Cody Clemens. He's our honorable mention here on Best in Class. We continue along here on the road to Detroit. We talked to Bryant Packard, the fifth-round pick of the Tigers out of East Carolina in this year's draft. He's found his way all the way to West Michigan. We actually talked to Pack on a previous edition of the RTD. He might be the first two-time oh. member of the road to Detroit. So, Packard, first of all, congratulations. I know that's a big honor for you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's an honor to be here twice. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what this has been like for you because not a lot of guys have moved as quickly, but more importantly, as successfully through the Connecticut ranks and now here to West Michigan. You know, so many guys struggle when they come to this level. Why do you think you've been able to avoid that? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I guess I just uh, I trust my process and do the same thing every single day. You know, no, no matter where I am, um, I do the same stuff. I have the same routine, you know, doing extra work. And obviously the, the coaches here are awesome. Uh, Bill Springman, Eddie, you know, Parrish, Willie, they're all great guys. And they're helping me along the way. The transition has was a tough one at first, and it still definitely is. Um, I've had a little bit of luck, but, you know, just uh, staying with the process has really helped. Does that routine consist of any superstitions that we need to know about? I do not have any superstitions. I don't believe in that, Um, (laughs) thankfully. I know there's a lot of guys that live or die on that stuff, but not me. Did you think you'd have the kind of success that you have now seen you know, once you got here, because this is a different league. I mean, you played ball at East Carolina. You were a highly regarded hitter coming out of college, but Midwest League is probably more advanced than anything yeah. you've played in before. Yeah. Um, I've always, you know, heard that batting average is evil. You know, I could just yeah. easily be hitting 240 as I am, whatever I am now, you know, but I just try to focus on hitting the ball hard, being a good teammate, and, uh, you know, the stuff that you can really control um, and uh, just trying to have fun along the way because it is a grind. <laughs> 
What have you learned about hitting since you've turned pro? You've had a couple of guys as hitting coaches for you, probably most prominently the hitting coach that you had in Connecticut and Bill Springman, who's now here in West Michigan. But what tips or tricks have you learned about this since you've gotten drafted? Uh, you know, I haven't learned a whole lot other than, you know, how to deal with failure. Um, it's really hard. You know, I've never failed, like, drastically, um, as I have a few times this season. But uh, It's funny to think when you're hitting over 300. Yeah, 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 it is. But, I mean, you have bad days, man. It, you know, three-hit days help your average a lot. But, you know, I've had the same hitting coach since fifth grade, Lance Martin. Um, he's been a huge, you know, asset to me. Talks to me every week. You know, I tell him how I'm feeling, and he pulls me through it. My dad's the same way, Cliff Godwin at ECU. But, ultimately, Bill Springman is a mix of all those guys, which is really good for me. And uh, his personality is great. In terms of the mental side of it, you do learn a lot. And it was kind of the same mental process you probably had to go through at ECU this year because it was a tough start to your year. And then you're able to figure things out by the very end. So this has probably been an ongoing process even before you got drafted. Yeah, exactly. The biggest thing is not to freak out and change something um, like drastically, you know, um, hard hits not falling, stuff that you just cannot control. Um, you know, uh, you just really have to stay sane and all of that and realize, hey, you're good enough to actually be here. I think that's a big problem with a lot of guys. It's like, man, I shouldn't even be here. You know, I'm having a tough time. But you really just have to tell yourself and, like I said, trust the process. So when we had you on the RTD last time, you were in Connecticut. You are playing for Brian Pena. And I'm curious about what you remember or what you're most fond of during your time playing in Connecticut. Was it Brian Pena or was there some other things that come to mind? I would definitely say Pena and a few of the guys on the team. You know, Kona Quiggle, I feel like he's one of my best friends. What now. a name, by the way. I know, what a name. You know? Kona Quiggle. Yeah, his personality matches the last name, too. Just just a funny guy. But Pena, I love Pena, man. He's Even when we're it, – it felt like he was more excited when – we lost because he wanted to like what a weirdo i know i know but he just wanted to get us to like bond more he's like hey you guys played your heart out like no matter what but um you know they've been doing a great job i'm, I'm not sure where their playoff push is right now but great team great atm atmosphere you know great culture on that team i miss them a lot now you go from connecticut to west michigan and know that you played in some pretty big time stadiums during your college years now getting a chance to play in west michigan you're playing in front of about five six seven even up to nine thousand people on a nightly basis i mean how much juice does that give you because i know this season can be a grind especially when you're not used to playing as many games as you have yeah i, I stay pretty calm throughout it um because my college field you know uh in a bad midweek game in february there'd still be three thousand people yelling at you the whole time and playing in that regional you know playing at old miss this year mississippi state has really helped me um get used to the big crowds because i did have a little bit of crowd anxiety at one point um but the fans at west michigan are awesome they're very positive you know uh, they they like to make noise you know they like to be behind you and uh, that certainly has helped obviously it's nothing like detroit but it's pretty pr pretty good what tipped you off on the crowd anxiety side and how did you figure your way through that um, really just taking breaths and controlling my breathing um, is actually like a huge thing. People never think about that, but if you really just take a big breath, and I have a focal point when I'm hitting on the bat, uh, when I'm on the field, I pick a focal point, which is basically just like uh, putting all of your concentration on that point and just breathing. And uh, I don't know, now I like to you know have fun, the walk-up songs get you a little excited. So. What, what focal point? Because, I mean, obviously you have to concentrate on the guy you're facing on the mound, but right. like, give us an example of where a focal point Point might be so when I'm in left field um, I know you guys can't see this <laughs> on the podcast but um, last night I picked out a speaker 
So before every pitch, I'd look at that speaker, take a breath, and then get into my you know ready position. And when I'm on when I'm hitting, uh, I got a little. There's always an ink dot on every bat, so I look at that, and uh, it really just zeroes you in on something. You know, some people are like, oh, it's dumb, but you know, it works for me, and I like it. So we're talking to Brian Packard. So not only have you been continuing to play more games than you've probably ever played in any one calendar year, but you're also finishing your year in the outfield. You know, since the Tigers drafted you, the day they called your name, they said Brian. Packard, outfielder, East Carolina University. Take us through how you've acclimated to playing every day in the outfield. Uh, you know, it's it, it's been a grind. I wouldn't say I'm the best outfielder. Last night, you know, made a pretty bad play. But uh, just having to stay concentrated and focused, you know, every single pitch I think is the biggest thing because it's easy for your mind to wander. It's pretty boring out there. I mean, there's not a lot going on. But you really just have to focus, you know, dial in. And it has taken some hits on the body, but that's something obviously if I want to be at the highest level I'd have to get used to. Um, so uh, I'm just honored to play every day. You know, it's it's my favorite thing to do is play baseball, and for it to be a job is kind of funny. You mentioned the play that you made in the previous day's ball game. It was ruled an error, but the wind was, Brian's defense here, the wind was howling out to right field. And also, and I don't know if you had to deal with this on this particular ball, but I'm sure that you had to deal with it at some point. The sun in some yeah. of these places has just been brutal. And there was a play in that particular game. You had mentioned that Riley Green had a ball lost mm-hmm. in the sun, kind of a low line drive that rolled by him all the way to the wall. You know, how do you take all those extra factors? into account when you're out there i'm just pretty mad at the architects they don't think about it when the when they make the freaking stadium it should always be behind first base but um you know that's something you just kind of deal with it's going to be you know here forever the sun's never just going to go away um so with me i try to wear sunglasses but with here at this park it's too dark like you can't see a line drive if you're in left field because we're shaded and uh in bp the wind was howling out the left and then it wasn't during the game so that's stuff you just have to pay attention to like i said had to be focused every pitch and riley or whoever's in center riley or parker does a great job of communicating um they're really young but at 18 and 19 you know they got heads like college players so uh, it's good having them over there and helping and talking if you had to face one outfield affliction whether it be a sun that's too bright or a night sky that's too dark which one do you think you would have to pick i suck at both of them but i would have to say um i would rather the the night sky you know um you know because the infielder Winsell is amazing at it he can just come on come and help me out really at any time um, but uh, I don't like the sun too much. There was a play that a pop-up was hit to second base, and nobody could find it on the right side of the infield. And Wenzel Perez ran all the way from deep shortstop over to second base to make that play. How in the world does somebody do something like that? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because the Latin guys, have just they're unbelievable at it because this is obviously, you know, like great venues for them to play. They've grinded it out in, in pretty bad fields. And um, it's just like the shadow when you're hitting. Everybody has a problem with it except for Winsell because he grew up with it and, you know, just – I don't know. <laughs> They're really good at it. Nobody makes a whole lot of noise about the shadow difference. And, yeah. you know, talking to somebody like you, this actually might be a pretty good question for you. Yeah. In terms of having a deal when you're at the plate in the, I don't want to say in the dark, but in at least the shade while the guy on the mound is pitching from the sunlight, take us through how that affects somebody like right. you. That's something really hard to see on TV, and I don't expect people to really, you know, um, factor that in. But when the when the sun is really bright on the pitcher, especially when they're wearing white uniforms, and then right in front of the mound there's a shadow, the ball disappears for about five feet, ten feet. And that makes it really hard when you got a righty that's throwing a two-seam and a change-up that looks very similar. So that's why you see a lot of change-ups in the first few innings. 
um, from from right-handers that have a good one at least. Um, because it, they know that. Yeah, yeah, of course they know that. It's just you know it's part of the game. It's something um, something they got in their back pocket. Um, so you just have to deal with it. I usually try to move up in the box, you know, and guess. <laughs> usually try to try to just see the fastball. But um, it's something I am getting used to because in college we didn't have usually big stadiums like this. Um, this reminds me a lot of Wichita State actually, and uh, you know you just got to get used to it. And, Grind through that. You've got a Wichita teammate now who can date and do Goss as we talked to Brian Packer playing his finish of the 2019 season here in West Michigan. In terms of, you know, having to deal with the hitting side of it, because this is a very difficult thing. I mean, especially moving all the way through the Midwest League. Are you adapting to the mental side of the chess game that is going up against these guys? I think that's something I've always prided myself on is the the mental chess game that you say. You know, I always try to I think at least that I'm, you know, a step ahead. All the other guys are trying to like outsmart me on the mound, and you know, you just got to think a different size of the ball, man. I mean, there's a lot of people with talent, but um, when you run into the people with talent and brains, you know, that know what they're doing, have a plan, and execute it consistently, you know, that's really hard to go up against. But you know, it's a chess game, like you said, you got to try to win it. The chess game can also sometimes be a bit of a guessing game, and you mentioned having to be up there sometimes. And I won't have you throw your name on this, but from what you notice from guys at this level how much guessing is there when it comes to hitting because you know look you can not guess and maybe you're gonna foul a ball off or maybe you're going to get some light contact but some guys who guess right are adamant that if they guess right they're gonna make harder contact so how do you find the balance or I guess how do guys at this level in your opinion find the balance well the biggest thing I I would say is making uh, educated guesses because Christian Cresswell, you know, he sends us the picture before the game, you know. He's the baseball information yeah. analyst for the West Michigan side. Yep, and he always sends us the day before, you know, um, the picture. So I go up personally, a lot of guys do this. Andre does it, you know, everybody does it. You know, we just look for tendencies. And uh, you, at the plate, you really just got to convince yourself that the pitch is coming or else you won't be on time for it. You know, that's, a, that's another thing a lot of people don't understand is you, you can have the best swing in the world. I've seen some of the best swings that have you know bad timing and just don't know what pitch is coming you can't try to hit all pitches at once you know you got to really lock in on one pitch um, and you know convince yourself that they're throwing it and if they're not hopefully you can you know get a hit but uh with two strikes we have an approach um in Detroit and that's you know shift your field to for me it'd be the left field try to get the ball deep and um you know just try to fight we talked about that once upon a time. You know, yeah. your home runs, all three that you've hit in West Michigan this year, have all been to the pull side. But a lot of your base hits have gone to the opposite side of the field. Is that part of the reason why? Um, yeah, actually, at uh, college we had the same exact two-strike approach. So I got pretty lucky with that. Cliff Godwin did a great job with emphasizing, you know, in batting practice, um, uh, when you're not seeing the ball well wide now, you know, try to use the opposite side of the field. Um, I do, you know, get lucky a little bit and pull them over the fence, but uh, to the right side. But most of them are usually my doubles and base hits with the left field. We're talking to Brian Packard. You can find him on Twitter, by the way, at bpackisback17. Isn't that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. good. What do the off-season plans look like for you? Give us a timeline. Now, I'm guessing you have some baseball responsibilities, so I guess we'll start there. Yeah, well, baseball responsibilities, I do have to go to instructs. Um, up until then when does that start that starts uh i think it's two weeks after the last game um if we were to not make the playoffs that is until october 5th so um i'll go home right after the season i'll train with my guy in town well gotta see my girlfriend on the way she lives in virginia she, yeah i guess you gotta do she'll that she'll get pretty mad at me if i don't do that so uh <laughs> but um yeah i'll be working with him up until instructs um 
instructs will be over. My plan is to take three weeks off to let my body just rest, you know, get, do, do some physical therapy, needling. I'm big into like dry needling and stuff like that. Do some of that. What is that? Dry needling. Um, it's basically acupuncture. You've okay. heard of, Yeah. Same thing, but they go deeper into the muscle. Um, so and that helps you. Oh yeah. It's, it's anybody that has back pain or leg pain, you know, they can go right into the hips or the glutes and just trigger. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Is that better than like using a chiropractor, for example? Yes. Chiropractors just want you to come, not all of them, but you know, they, they want to just come back. You know, it's like a, more of a crack when, uh, the needling is, you know, getting the old blood out and the mm. new blood in. So, um, it's pretty cool. Um, but it's not painful. No. Uh, yes, it is painful. <laughs> okay. The first, the first time you do it, I mean, you're going to be sore for two days, but, um, I've gotten so accustomed to it that like, it's, it's almost a hobby now. What um, about the off season stuff? Anything in terms of non-baseball related? Um, I don't know, man. Just hanging out with my family a lot. Uh, my girlfriend, obviously, hopefully I can do something like a cruise or something, you know, um, going back to East Carolina, going to get some football games. Um, I can finally, <laughs> can finally, uh, go to the baseball field and not play baseball there. You know, I can help coach out a little bit with the freshmen coming in. You know, I'm a big fan of East Carolina and what they do there. So I'm very excited to go back there. Yeah. It's been probably a little strange being away from family for the last couple of months. I know that obviously you didn't see them every day when you were in college, yeah. but it's a different world now that you're in the professional ranks and especially in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still talk to him all the time, though, which is like the closest thing you can do. I mean, my mom doesn't have a smartphone and my dad's really bad with technology. So what kind of phone does mom have? I don't, dude. It's like a slide or something. <laughs> I have no idea. Discontinued. Yeah. She texts like doesn't even use space bar sometimes. So, you know, it's pretty hard. They definitely don't sell them. Anymore, no, though. no, absolutely not. It's vintage. Brian Packard. Thanks for joining us again here on the RTD. Good stuff from you as always. And go get him the rest of the way. You got it. Thanks, man. Brian Packard here on the road to Detroit. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Brian Packard. We are headed down the home stretch of episode 14 here on the road to Detroit. Don't forget, if you like the show, if you like what we've been doing and you want to see it continue, please do us a favor. Click the subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed to the RTD. You can rate, review the show. This week, there's a little extra something in it for you. It's your chance to win tickets for a special night at Comerica Park when the Tigers take on the Minnesota Twins at 7 p.m. It's Detroit Red Wings night, including a couple of fun pregame appearances. Red Wings players will be there. Opportunities to win Red Wings tickets all night long. And, of course, the always fantastic fireworks show after the ball game. Now, special ticket packages also include a red co-branded hat. That's a red Tigers hat with the English D on the front and the famous winged wheel of the Red Wings on the side. It's not a giveaway at the door. Again, you can only get this by going online, tigers.com slash Red Wings. But you don't have to do that because you're listening to us right now and exclusive to all passengers here on the road to Detroit. You get four tickets and four of those awesome Tigers Red Wings hats. All you have to do is prove you're a passenger of the RTD. Take a screenshot of the Road to Detroit podcast page wherever you've downloaded the show. Then tweet that screenshot to at Tigers. Show us you're a subscriber and you'll be entered to win tickets. You'll have a chance to see the Tigers take on the Minnesota Twins Friday, August 30th. It's Red Wings night at Comerica Park. A winner will be selected randomly early next week. But whatever you do, click subscribe. You're also free to rate and review the show. Those are also a huge help to us as well. Anything you can do goes a long way while you're at it. Let's see if we can hook you up with some Tigers tickets and those sweet hats as well. Now it's time for a quick look at the road ahead. West Michigan starts a four-game home series against Fort Wayne on Saturday before they hit the road to play three in Lansing. They'll actually be done with their season 
in about a week and a half. So we'll have season-ending looks at a lot of these affiliates once it's all said and done, and it's coming up sooner than you think. Meanwhile, Lakeland plays a five-game series on the road at Tampa, one of those weird five-game series against the Yankees affiliate before they face Clearwater in four. Erie wraps up a four-game home set with Harrisburg. Then they return home to take on Richmond in a four-game series, while Toledo battles Columbus for three and then head to Indianapolis for a four-game series. So there's a look at what's going on on the road ahead, and that'll also wrap up this edition of The Road to Detroit. This one was fun. My thanks to Brian Packard. Enjoy talking to him. Very bright young man. You can follow The Road to Detroit on Twitter at Road to Detroit. You can also follow me as well at that Dan Hasty. That's T. T-H-A-T-D-A-N-H-A-S-T-Y. Also, our thanks to Riley Green, the Tigers' number one pick in the 2019 MLB draft, already turning heads for so many reasons through three different levels of the Tigers' minor league system. We'll be back next week. Just a handful of games remaining for a lot of these affiliates throughout the Tigers organization. We'll cover that and much, much more on the next edition of The Road to Detroit. For our producer, Nate Wangler, my name is Dan Hasty. This has been Season 1, Episode 14 of The Road to Detroit. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, see ya!